It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. So we need to start acting like a big boy football. It's time for the jet pack to die. You're listening to Weapons Hot on SoundCloud.com and the Sports War Radio Network. And now, here are your hosts, CJ D. Simone and Kevin Jackson. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Weapons Hot Podcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on SoundCloud.com and also Sports World Radio. I am your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and you guys are probably freaking out because you could actually see me for the very first time as we are super excited. Uh, unfortunately, my co-host could not join me this evening. Apparently, he's got something that uh, needs his attention right now, so... That's okay. Yours truly is here to deliver a good show for you. And believe it or not, we got a couple of things that we really do need to talk about. You know, one of the things, most of all, we're going to get into the Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, as a gentleman by the name of the Seattle Seahawks 2020 round, uh, 2022nd round draft pick, Daryl Taylor, uh, is trying to recruit Jamal Adams on social media with a post uh, courtesy that was put out by Bleacher Report. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell and his interview with uh, Hot 97 this past Friday about that he believes that Jamal Adams will actually be a Jet for the 2020 season. He just wants to get paid like everybody else. So, you know, it's we've got a few things we're going to talk about tonight, and I'm super excited. And I tell you, you know, these uh, the live stream, this is the very first time I've actually done something like this. You guys have seen, I've already made some YouTube videos and stuff like that, just a couple, just to tinker around with it. So I'm not really all that savvy with it, but, you know, I still intend to bring you guys some some uh, quality Jets talk tonight. And I encourage you guys to go to Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Make sure that you like, make sure you subscribe. Every time that Weapons Hot goes live, you guys will get an alert on your mobile device, on your PCs, on whatever. If you're logged in and you're signed up, you, you will get an alert, which will be awesome because then you can know uh, whenever Weapons Hot does go live. And as you can see over my shoulder over here, welcome all to Green Room Studios here in uh, Central Florida. So I'm super excited. I'm sure you guys are super excited. And, and you know what? Let's jump into this, all right? So Daryl Taylor, Okay puts a post on social media, courtesy of Bleacher Report, which has, you know, their secondary put lined out. And he he puts uh, on the top of it, come on at presidential mob. All right. So obviously he's looking to, you know, for Jamal Adams to kind of change his, uh, his handle where Jamal Adams is just at prez. So, the Seahawks and the 49ers have actively been engaged with the New York Jets or have or reports have been put out there that they have, in fact, reached out and spoken to Jamal Adams that. Well, they've spoken to the New York Jets about Jamal Adams. There we go. Let me rephrase that. OK, so. Here's the thing. Joe Douglas has already come out and the New York Jets PR department 
has already come out and said that they have no intentions on trading Jamal Adams. So him listening to offers is basically just maybe just hyperbole and basically just doing due diligence on it. It's personally between you and me. Jamal Adams is not going to go anywhere. The Jets have him under contract pretty much for the next three years, plus the franchise tags. So Jamal's stints on social media, all of his antics on social media, which are pretty much getting super tired. Fans are getting completely just aggravated about it. So right now, Jamal Adams is in the center of a PR nightmare, in my opinion. Now, as a New York Jets fan, at this point, I've kind of soured on the idea of Jamal Adams because of him not necessarily taking the the quieter route. Now, I'm probably in the minority where I'm sure a lot of other Jet fans feel the same way that I do, but here, here's the thing, and I've said this on previous episodes of Weapons Hot. Contract negotiations that are hashed out in the media, regardless of what they are, okay, they never end well, both for the organization and for the player. Because there's always this angst. There's always this trying to get the opinion in the court of public opinion, okay? They're trying to get some sort of judgment, trying to get the media and the fans to rally to their cause. To say, well, I'm the best, I'm the best strong safety in the NFL. I feel like I should be paid as such. And, and you know what? Look, Jamal Adams is a top five strong safety in the NFL. Let, let, let's let's not kid it around. But if it were up to me, I would do exactly what the New York Jets are doing. Now there has been some talk back and forth about. Well, Joe Douglas promised Jamal Adams that they were going to reach out and sit down at the bargaining table sometime after the draft, and then that didn't happen. Well, obviously it didn't happen. Taking a look at what's going on in the world right now between COVID-19 and the NFL can't exactly get itself together. They only recently released COVID protocols, which we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But from the Jamal Adams being traded to the Seattle Seahawks or or the San Francisco 49ers or why Joe Douglas didn't reach out to Jamal Adams after the draft. There's a lot of other things in play here. And this is where I kind of look at Jamal Adams people, his manager, his agent, his inner circle, so to speak, if you want to call it that. Okay. People like this shouldn't be putting crap in Jamal's ear. Like, Yo, you ain't going to get paid. They're going to dish you. They're this, they're that. The New York Jets have already made it clear, especially Joe Douglas, have has already made it clear. He wants Jamal Adams to be a Jet for life. He said it at the scouting combine. Most recently, within the last, like, what, month? Adam Gase making the rounds on the press conferences. He came out and said, we want Jamal on this team. I want Jamal on this team. So what's the problem? We go and you take a look at Patrick Mahomes. Okay, Patrick Mahomes just got a $500 million contract. $500 million. <clears throat> Essentially for what? A five-year deal almost? 
140 million of that is guaranteed. Did you hear a peep out of uh, out of uh, Patrick Mahomes crying on social media, on on different posts, and, and just making a complete ass of himself? Did anybody hear that? Because I don't remember hearing any of that. I don't remember seeing any of that. Patrick Mahomes waited his turn, and the Chiefs rewarded him nicely. And quite frankly, he deserves it. Last year wins NFL uh, NFL MVP of the league. This year, the Kansas City Chiefs, they won their Super Bowl. That money's well-deserved. But what I also think is kind of funny is that when Jamal Adams put out his, his trade list, it's all teams that have made the postseason are primed to make a deep postseason, postseason run. Well, not for anything, but a couple of years ago, I remember you putting tweets out saying, New York is my home and I'm going to be here till the end. So what changed? Then there were these reports that cited that, oh, he had a rift with Adam Gase. And then that turned out to be bullshit. Come on, guys. I mean, for this this whole microcosm of what's going on in the Jamal Adams saga, every day it just seems like not enough attention is being paid to it. So let's go and throw another headline out there. Let's go and dig up some other crap that happened a couple of weeks ago from a conversation that he had at you know, I don't know, your local grocery store talking to the guy who bags your groceries, okay? Or, or, or maybe the guy who works uh, behind in the deli counter or, or, you know, who knows, all right? Jamal Adams and the New York Jets will eventually work out a deal. But if they work out a deal, it's going to be on the New York Jets' terms. It's not going to be on Jamal Adams' timeline. And he needs to get that through his incredibly thick skull at this time. Because the more that he continues to go on social media and act like a complete doofus, the longer it's going to take for his contract to get done. (laughs) And I do believe in my heart of hearts that a contract will get done. But not like this. Now, when you take a look at players, NFL players getting paid in in, in their third year, all right? The ones most notably, everyone keeps talking about Christian McCaffrey getting paid. Okay. In regards to the Carolina Panthers, they really had no choice. They had to pay Christian McCaffrey because Cam Newton was out the door. They didn't bring him back. So now they're sitting with Kyle Allen. Okay. And God knows who else they're going to have a quarterback over there. All right which I think also I think they went out and they acquired Teddy Bridgewater. So you got to hope that he could stay uh, he, he could stay healthy. But look, Christian McCaffrey being signed to a, a, a mega deal or, or a, a big contract, I don't want to call it a mega deal because that, that word just gets thrown around so much. It's so exhausting. It's just ridiculous. All right. I mean, like the Patrick Mahomes deal – that's like something I would expect from Major League Baseball. I'm going to be honest with you. 
because when we took a look at Alex Rodriguez and his two contracts, the one from the Texas Rangers and then the other one from the New York Yankees, all right, Mike Trout's contract, you know, Derek Jeter's contract uh, back in the day when he, when, when he was playing, you know, <clears throat> when, when we look at the threshold of NFL contracts now going up, we don't even know what the salary cap is going to be next year because we don't know exactly how much damage COVID-19 has already inflicted on this NFL calendar year because it's too close to call. I mean, so far, okay, we've had virtual meetings and OTAs and mini camps and rookie mini camps and mandatory camps and stuff like that. <coughs> I apologize. Um, have all been canceled because of COVID-19. NFL doesn't have a, a, a COVID-19 protocol in place, but actually the most recently released one, like I said, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on the show. So one of the things that I'm kind of looking at is – well, in regards to contracts, nobody really knows why all of these contracts are being dished out the way that they were. That's why Jadavion Clowney remain, remains unsigned. That's why Logan Ryan remains unsigned. That's why we still have quite a few NFL free agents not being signed right now. And here's the reason why. <clears throat> because nobody knows what their salary cap situation is going to look like for 2021. Nobody knows. <clears throat> so for the Jets to go and to, and to invest a boatload of money in Jamal Adams, which is greatly deserved. I don't want anybody to, uh, to, to get it twisted here. He does deserve a contract. But right now, I'll bet you that Joe Douglas and his financial team and his front office looked at it and said, now is not a good time. Because we don't know what the number is going to look like next year. We don't even know if fans are going to be allowed in the stands. And right now, with the fact that they just released the COVID-19 protocols, we don't know what preseason is going to look like. We don't even know what training camp is going to look like. Everybody's set to report July 28th. I mean, there, there are so many unknowns. So many. That right now, everything is fluid because it changes from day to day to day. And then Jamal Adams is not the only person now who requested a trade. You have Raheem Mostert from the San Francisco 49ers now requesting a trade. David Njoku is requested a trade. Okay. Yannick Ngakwe, who is very popular amongst Jets Nation because they want the Jets to deal for, try and acquire Yannick Ngakwe, which would make sense because that would definitely solve the New York Jets pass rushing, pass rushing issues. But Nobody's even really pulled the trigger on any prospective deals because nobody knows what type of shape these players are going to report in. Nobody knows exactly what is going to go on right now <clears throat> for NFL training camps. What are training camps going to look like? 
I don't know. Hence, I know that it seems like I'm making a little bit of a sidebar in regards to Jamal Adams, but I'm actually not because I think a lot of this factors into why Jamal Adams does not have a contract as of yet. Because if the Jets don't know what their salary cap number is going to be for next year, if the Jets don't have an idea as to what the possible revenue loss they may experience this upcoming season because no fans in the stands, games could be played in front of maybe 25% stands if they're lucky. How are these COVID protocols going to affect not only preseason games, but regular season games? How will it affect the roster? What happens if a player tests positive? So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I keep putting all of these things to the forefront is because this is what I'm hoping that Jamal Adams is thinking in his incredibly thick skull, okay? That the reason why that he's not getting a contract is not because the Jets don't have a desire to sign him. It's not because the Jets don't give a damn about him. It's not because the Jets don't respect the player. It's not because the Jets feel like that he is an expendable piece of material. It's because there are 5,001 things that are happening ahead of that that need to be dealt with. And before Jamal Adams' contract situation can even be looked at in any way, shape, or form, the Jets, just like 31 other organizations in the NFL, have to figure out not only the NFL's plan for COVID, but how they, how each team is going to systematically plan for COVID. What their financial situation is going to look like. That's why you have a great deal of rookies that just got drafted that still haven't been signed yet. Nobody's talking about that. Oh, but Jamal Adams wants his money. You know, this is this is sometimes my biggest issue with pro athletes. You know, it, it's okay to have a cause and to use social media to talk about your cause, whether you have a charity, something that you believe in, and you use social your social media platform for that. But when you're going to use a social media platform and be a complete tool Troll the organization that you play for. Troll the fan base. And then not only that, start talking to other teams' fan bases, like the Dallas Cowboys, and start making videos about that. It's not a good look, Jamal. It's not. And this is why I candidly said that I really think that whoever it is who's giving Jamal Adams advice at this time, he needs to tell them to shut up. He needs to kind of thin out and tighten up his inner circle. That's just my opinion. Because the more that he continues to open his mouth and put stuff on social media, the more that he continues to take shots at the New York Jets, 
the more that I think it's going to take longer for a, a deal to get done. Now, he may not hold out. He's not going to pull a Revis and uh, decide not to show up for training camp because then he's going to get fined the maximum. And I tell you something right now, if I'm Greg Williams, even though I know I've publicly come out and said when it comes to his contract, I've got Jamal Adams back. But what's the kind of look that he's going to get in the locker room? I, I know that people are going to be giving him the stink eye. I, I know that people are going to be looking at him, uh, giving him the sideways eye because that's the conduct that he's emitting right now is not one that's that spells leadership. And especially you got rookies coming into that locker room where you want to be a leader amongst men and you want to go to, you, you want to go to the pro bowl and not only that, but you also want to make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, dude, you've only been in the league three years. Two out of those three years, you've made the Pro Bowl. Congratulations. But three years does not a football career make. And if you want to be known about your leadership skills and so on and so forth, then guess what? You got to pony up, which means you got to lead by example which means sometimes your desires and what you want and why you think that other cat's pockets are getting fat and yours is staying skinny. Sometimes you got to put that on the back burner and you got to just shut up and play. And I believe that Jamal Adams will in fact show up for training camp. I think that he will shut up and play because he's got no choice to, but it's not because of the reasons that I stated before. Like the Jets don't respect him. The Jets are minimalizing, you know, his. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it, it's just. it It's crazy right now. As far as I'm concerned. I'm thinking for me that, hey, look, you know. The New York Jets have an opportunity to lock up one of the best players in football, but they have to do it at a time frame that maybe doesn't get dictated by COVID-19. And it's unfortunate, but this is exactly what needs to happen. So hopefully, just hopefully, we'll start thinking about things. We'll start looking at things a little bit differently. But we'll see, okay? Now, speaking of Jamal Adams, he's actually got somebody pretty important on his side, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell uh, went on Hot 97 on early Friday morning where he actually got the opportunity to speak with Peter Rosenberg, um, who's also uh, part of the Michael K show on 98.7 ESPN FM. So Le'Veon Bell uh, said that uh, according to, and I want to credit uh, Rich Domini here. Uh, New York Jets running back Le'Veon Bell had a great talk with disgruntled teammate Jamal Adams on Thursday, and he came away with the impression that the all-pro safety wants to remain in New York if he gets a new contract. Now, we all remember Le'Veon Bell sat out the year before last because he wanted a new contract by, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers did not. They wanted to franchise tag him. He never signed his tender. 
So he made the, the executive decision to step out, which is fine. That's his choice. So it ended up working in the Jets' benefit because the Jets were able to sign Le'Veon Bell, regardless whether Adam Gase didn't like it or not. So now Le'Veon Bell went in, went in to say that he talked with Adams. He believes that he wants to be a New York Jet, and he feels like that he was that he's now in the same position that Le'Veon Bell was a couple of years ago, where he wanted to get his money. Now, in my opinion, I think that's yes and yes and no. And here's the reason why. Jamal Adams in his third year. Because of the fact he's in his third year, going into his fourth year, okay? We've seen other NFL teams in a panic move say things like, well, what's going on here? What's, what's going on? You know, why, why am I not getting my contract? And it could be a multitude of reasons. It could be that maybe the, the organization is losing faith in you. Maybe they feel like you've lost a step. Whatever. That could be the case in Le'Veon Bell, not in Jamal Adams. Now, again, Jamal Adams is currently still on the contract with the New York Jets. He's got to be patient. And I understand that Le'Veon Bell wants to offer his perspective because he feels like Jamal Adams deserves to get a contract. Look, we all feel like Jamal Adams deserves to get a contract. But as I continue to say before, and I will continue to say this as long as this as long as this situation becomes front and center within the New York Jets. Jamal Adams will get paid on the New York Jets timeline, not his. The best thing that Jamal Adams can do is be the good soldier, come in, play his ass off, and he will be rewarded. That's it. That's all there is to it. Patrick Mahomes just got a $500 million contract. And I stated this earlier in the show. Did you hear a peep out of him on social media? Was he banging on the desk like this going, I want my contract. Where's my money? No, you didn't hear a peep out of him. And you know why? Because that's what a consummate professional does. He leaves the negotiating to his agents. And that's it. He's not letting people get in his ear. You got devils on this side, angels on this side. Who's talking? Blah, blah, blah. None of that. What do you do? He let his agent handle it. And the Kansas City Chiefs rewarded him accordingly. Plain and simple. Now, you may look at Christian McCaffrey, and as I said before, the Carolina Panthers basically had no choice but to sign Christian McCaffrey because who they got on that team. So 
as a fan base, and we've watched the New York Jets make so many bad decisions over and over and over and over again. Are we going to make yet another bad decision and have another top-heavy contract? Not that I'm saying that signing Jamal Adams right now would be a bad decision. But if this was in a perfect world and COVID-19 was not happening right now, which you and I both know COVID-19 has done quite a bit to really wreak some hell on exactly how NFL franchises operate, both financially and their day-to-day operations. Hell, I can hardly wait to see what training camp is going to look like. That's going to be a cluster. I hope they're going to televise that somewhere. So for any player who's complaining about their contract situation, y'all just need to just shut up and take a look around you and see what's really going on. Because if there was no COVID and this was, things were quote unquote normal the way they were before COVID and all of this, then I could understand all of the arguments. Then I could understand the angst. But right now, nobody knows. The NFL franchises have no idea how much money they're going to lose over this. So now, again with the Le'Veon Bell interview, because there was a lot more than just the Jamal Adams segment, he also went on to look at himself and say that at the end of last year, he felt like that he didn't play his best. He didn't blame the offensive line. He didn't blame Adam Gase. He, there was a, there's a ton of things that he could have blamed for last year for the lack of production that he, that he put out there. He went and he took the high road. That's a consummate professional where he said, I needed to look into the mirror and I needed to get better. What is it that I could do better to contribute to this football team to help them be competitive? Now, granted, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist. So this is Le'Veon Bell saying this, all right? So Le'Veon Bell has already got his sights set on this upcoming season where he's ready to go, and he is going to be playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, which is a good thing because maybe that's exactly what he needs to do, play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but behind the New York Jets revamped offensive line, I expect Le'Veon Bell is going to have a better year. Just like as Jet fans, we all hope that Sam Darnold is going to have a better year. But we're not going to know till the rubber meets the road. On paper, yeah, everything looks good. But I want to see exactly how these guys are going to perform together. What exactly these guys are going to do for the next few for the next few weeks to get themselves prepared. Now, I know that Makai Becton has been very active in the weight room. He's also been very active with other offensive linemen in hold in attending seminars and how to improve blocking, how to improve technique. Granted, there's only so many videos that you can watch. You actually have to go out there and, and, and do it. But the kid's putting in the work. So that says a lot. You've got Sam Darnold, again, doing, uh, uh, I'd say about a month and a half ago or so, did the whole Jet South camp, 
where he had some of the wide receivers in attendance. Okay, had Le'Veon Bell in attendance there, and he was working on his feet. He was working on his footwork. He was continuing to watch video, continuing to work on his timing. So these are things that I want to see from leaders on my football team because they're not interested in, in the hubbub. They're not interested in all the other garbage that, that takes place outside of the facility. They're interested in getting better in the here and now. And the reason being is because all the work that they put in on the practice field, they have to be able to duplicate that or replicate that. that that's actually a better word. They need to be able to replicate that on the field. Now, like I said, when the rubber meets the road and these guys start hitting, hitting each other for real, putting on pads, and they're getting out there, hopefully with the COVID-19 protocols in effect, it, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how training camp is going to play out. So I'm excited for it. I'm sure you guys are excited for it. And believe me, training camp can't open up fast enough because woo, this talk about football and whether or not we're going to have a, a, a season or whether or not we're not going to have a season is just really, really ridiculous. It really is. Because I know football fans like me, I am jonesing for it. And I'm sure you guys are too. So... It's just around the corner. <clears throat> so now, speaking of training camps, we get to talk about exactly what I teased a little bit at the beginning of the show. The NFL has actually gone ahead and released their whole COVID-19 protocol. And man, I downloaded the damn thing. Okay. 42 pages. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be picking out some excerpts of it because it was only maybe a couple of days ago that all of this actually came to fruition. Okay. And one of the things that, that, that I kind of laugh about is that as I'm trying to adjust my screen while, while I'm doing this. So they are, there's the education about the virus the club facility protocol. I think every team is going to be assigned an infectious, uh, an infectious disease control person that is going to be responsible for all of the testing. And also if a player does in fact test positive or is showing signs and symptoms that that, per that said player has to report to that said person in which now they have to leave the facility, start the quarantine process and so on and so forth, plus start contract. Uh, contact tracing. Now, contact tracing uh, is basically when you have that one person who is patient zero, and then you need to go and make a list of every single person who you had in contact, who were you in contact with? It doesn't matter whether you passed one another in the hallway. It doesn't matter whether you were in, uh, in the uh, cafeteria with somebody. It doesn't matter if you passed somebody in the restroom. It doesn't matter if you were outside in an open space. If you were in a meeting room, if you were in a coach's office, or if you were in an equipment room, if you were by somebody's locker, okay, everyone who was around this person now gets interviewed and they get brought in and then they also have to be monitored to make sure that they don't show any signs and symptoms of the, uh, the COVID-19 virus. So 
the NFL put out a lovely, lovely, lovely protocol here, uh, which is actually dated July 3rd, so it's fairly recent, okay? And, and, and I think it's actually pretty good. And believe it or not, you know, um, from from everything that I've skimmed through, the NFL's done an okay job. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, what was it? Earlier in the week, uh, Jets offensive lineman Alex Lewis had put out a post saying that he was wondering when the NFL was going to come up with this plan because they didn't know. The players had not heard anything. They did not know if they had a protocol in place. And he refused to be a guinea pig. The NFL is also working with the NFLPA, giving some players the option of opting out of the 2020 season. In which, if you're going to do that, then it's my suggestion that the NFL maybe needs to increase the roster from 53 to possibly 65. Because now you have to account for those players that are going to test positive for COVID-19. And then you're going to have, obviously, roster spots that are open. Now, does this also mean that the practice squad, practice squad roster increases, possibly? Are, are we going to increase the taxi squad? How are guys going to be taxied back and forth? What's going to be the protocol with that? So I, I invite you guys to go to NFL.com. Definitely take a look at the full plan. So it looks like, and for, for, for lack of a better word, it looks like that the NFL at first was taking the arrogant approach that, oh, well, the virus will bend to football. No, I don't think so. This virus bends to nobody. Go and take a look at the increased cases in Florida and in Texas, and in Arizona, and in California, and every place else that now seems to be a hot spot. Every place where there is a... Go and take a look at every single city that has an NFL football team. New York has three. Okay. Florida has three. Okay. You have Washington, you have New England, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, just to say the least. You have Carolina, just on the East Coast, all right? What's going to happen when the colder weather starts coming in? Places like Wisconsin may start to see a little bit of a jump, okay? Arizona. They're already experiencing theirs. California, Las Vegas. Okay, who else? Denver. You got the Chargers. They're a team without a home. They keep bouncing around all over the place. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams, how each individual team is going to take a look and set up their COVID, uh, their COVID protocol to mirror what the NFL has put out. Okay. And of course, you know, the, cla the, the classic things, 
All right. All tier one and tier two individuals must practice good personal habits and engage in preventative actions and help prevent the spread of COVID-19, which includes stay home when sick, cover uh, cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue, then wash your hands, proper and required use of PPE at the facility. Wash your hands often, clean hands before eating, avoid touching your eyes, nose, nose and mouth. Consume individual food beverages and do not share with others. Again, that's all stated from the NFL protocol. That's just in the first page or two. Okay. It's actually from page four to be exact three and four. All right. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to be able to limit the contact. And you, you see other sports, other sports are kind of going to a bubble format, right? The NHL, they got a couple of hub cities. They're making sure that everybody who goes to those hub cities, that's where you're staying. And when you're traveling, you're being monitored. MLB has a, a similar protocol in place where they don't really have hub cities, but they are still talking to the Major League Baseball Players Association about what type of protocol they're going to put in place. Fans not being in the stands and so on and so forth. The NFL is no different. So, and I just feel like that the NFL now with this COVID-19 policy, which in my opinion should have came out two months ago, okay, it's a little bit late to the party because you're talking about a dangerous physical contact sport, <clears throat> but yet you're going to say stuff like, oh, well, jersey swapping is no longer going to be allowed. Reporters are not going to be allowed to speak to players in the, in the locker room. They've been itching to do that for pff, so many years now, I'm surprised COVID gave him the perfect excuse to do it. But now, with the NFL being late to the party, does it mean the preseason may be delayed? Some, some people are saying the NFL's point of view on it is that they want to cut the preseason from four games to two games. The NFLPA's position on it is that if we're going to cut the preseason from four games to two for from four games to two games, why even have a preseason at all? Let's just go right out the gate. Now, I kind of see the point on both sides, though. However, in my opinion, preseason, you need to have those games where fringe guys are going to have the opportunity to play. Now, that might not make too much of a difference if they do go with an expanded roster, which, again, I talked about. That's something that I would like to see them do. But we don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. But should it, I still think that the two preseason games would be beneficial because it'll help guys be able to knock some of the rust off of the off of the pads a little bit. So the only other alternative is this. Why can't they do set up a bubble format in prospective cities where you have your East Coast teams and your West Coast teams. And they may not necessarily have to be in the same conference. Okay, we don't need to group all the AFC teams together. We don't need to group all the NFC teams together. But if you wanted to pull off a bubble format, having major hub cities like that could possibly be pulled off. Now, does it mean that your NFL regular season schedule gets altered? Oh, in fact, it does. But there are 
some flexibility where you could move some games up or a team that maybe you play in week four, maybe you play them in week two because it's just easier than have a, than having to pack up and travel from one hub city to another and then have to do the mandatory quarantine period or whatever. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL proposes that all of this is going to work out. There's a lot of moving parts. So, I mean, the NHL, uh, the, the NH, everyone <clears throat> a little bit at a time, they're trying to copy. It looks like the N- the NHL's model with the exception of the hall, the, um, the hub cities. And, but I'm excited for the NHL to get on the way because, I mean, it'll be some nice live sports. Uh, I mean, pff, I think it was last week. Okay. I mean, I, just, I, I get up at 530 pretty much every morning to go to work. Okay. While well, I'm sitting having my morning cup of coffee, what, what am I watching? I'm watching Japanese baseball. And I was just happy even for 20 minutes to sit and watch Japanese baseball because it was live sports. That wasn't some tape thing from six years ago that I've seen 15 times already. Even if there, even there were no, no fans in the stands, it was still just great to see a live sporting event, even if it was just for a few minutes, because that's what we need in the world right now. We need sports back in the worst way possible. Okay. Not just football, not just baseball, not just basketball, not just hockey, everything. Okay. Even NASCAR, you know, tip their hat for what they're doing to try to at least have a season, try to crown a champion and make it as safe and responsible as possible so that they can still put a product out there. So the way I look at it is like this. Although, the NFL protocol seems okay. I still think that is going to be some tweaks. The closer and closer that they get to training camp, I really do. So it's going to be curious because the Jets and the Giants have been given permission to go to their facilities to practice. But of course, they're going to have quarantine protocols. They're going to have temperature checks. They're going to have, you know, symptom checkers and so on and so forth. You know, it's kind of funny. I went for a haircut today. All right. And I had to go in with a mask and I was asked a series of questions. You know, were, were you around anybody who was sick? Uh, are you feeling sick? And they actually did a temperature check. I had to do a temperature check when I walked in the door. And then I did a temperature check when I left. And they had somebody there who had to sign off on it. Okay, and everything that we see with COVID-19 right now is really, this is the new normal. <laughs> I, I never thought in a million years we, we would be at this, you know. Uh, uh, but this is the new normal, where you have to wear a mask. And if wearing the mask out in public is going to help to keep you healthy, it's going to help to keep everyone else around you safe, including your family, and it's also going to help us accelerate the process to get sports back, then I'm all for it. Which again, because I got to talk about this, Jamal Adams put a tweet out there thinking, uh, saying that, you know, not having fans in the stands would be, would be more than whack. And 
make fans wear a way or sign a waiver and make them wear a mask. Would you sign a waiver? I really want to know. Go to the Weapons Hot Facebook page or, or on the Twitter timeline at Worldwide Sports Radio Network, wherever. In all seriousness, okay? I want you guys to let me know if you would sign a waiver to go see a sporting event. I really want to know. Because if you would, Yeah, I I I, I want to know about it. I really do. <laughs> I think it's just uh, I I think it's just absolutely crazy the way that they that some places would ask you to sign a waiver. But there there are some people that talked about it, and hey, maybe that might be something. I'm thinking that personally is in regards to fans going back in the back into the stands. I'm thinking that the first four weeks of the season could possibly be played with no fans in the stands. Then the next four, maybe at 15 or 20% capacity. And then provided that there's no other outbreaks or the curve or um, the, uh, the virus rate or the infection rate starts to drop, then maybe increase the percentage for the next four weeks. And then for the next four weeks after that or whatever based on the projected infections and so on, and then having the protocols in place, because this is exactly what we're going to be looking at. <laughs> I mean, it's a way of life now. Uh, I, I, I hate to think about it, but it really is. It's a way of life now. So anyhow, I tell you, <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. Now, I wish my co-host was here to do this next segment. So I'm actually going to do it for him. This is the segment on the weapon, uh, on the weapon top broadcast here called in the spotlight. Now my partner in crime, Kevin Jackson normally does this obviously because he's not here tonight. I'm going to be taking over this segment and in my white hot spotlight is going to be none other than head coach, Mr. Adam Gase, ladies and gentlemen. We all, sportscasters, fans, bloggers, posters, podcasters, whatever, have all thrown our two cents in in regards to Sam Darnold and whether or not this is a make-or-break season for him. In my opinion, the make-or-break season is really for Adam Gase. And the reason being is this. Sam Darnold has had to learn two different offensive systems in now his third year as an NFL quarterback. He also had an ankle injury, which put him out for four games. And he had mononucleosis last year, which sidelined him for four games. Now, as much as you want to put the focus on Sam Darnold, and say, well, the kid's got to improve, or the kid has to get better. You also have to put that same amount of pressure and that same amount of microscopic view on the man pulling the strings. And that's Adam Gase. This is Adam Gase's offense. Daryl Loggins, 
is either a glorified clip a glorified clipboard holder or probably has naked pictures of Adam Gase somewhere in his locker that he refuses to get to get rid of because if this is Adam Gase's offense and if Adam Gase cannot coach up Sam Darnold enough to where Sam Darnold could be productive behind a rebuilt offensive line, behind a lack of weapons on this team, although we did have a weapons upgrade this year, but still I feel like it's not enough. Is Adam Gase the guy to put the pieces of the puzzle together to make this team competitive? Now, like I just told you, revamped offensive line. No more Robbie Anderson. We substituted him with Brashad Perryman, and now we got Denzel Mims. You now have a wide receiving core that, believe it or not, is pretty deep. Chris Herndon, Le'Veon Bell, okay? You brought in Frank Gore. You drafted with Michael Pirine, a guy who I'm very high on. Can Adam Gase put the pieces of the puzzle together? Can he do it? Because if he can't, and this team gets off to a slow start, 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, just like last year, and this team struggles, and Sam is running for his life yet again, having to play hero ball and making mistakes because he's playing hero ball, Who does the blame really fall on? Does it fall on Sam Darnold? Or does it fall on Adam Gase? Now, in my opinion, if Gase goes out there and coaches lights out and Sam can't hack it and he takes a major step back this year, then yes, you will have to question Sam Darnold. But the reason why I don't question Sam Darnold, and I still think that he still needs more in order for him to be productive, in order for him to be successful, that Adam Gase can't coach this game like we have the 32nd rank offensive unit in the NFL. This team needs to take a major step forward. And that starts from coaching on down. Now, in a vacuum, if the offensive line plays significantly better than they did last year, there's nowhere to go for them from up. They were the worst offensive line in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. The offense starts to put points on the game. Offensive line maybe is 17th in the league, 16th in the league. That could easily equate to three to four four more wins for this football team. If Denzel Mims can show that he can adapt to the NFL game and he starts standing out, Brashard Perryman can build off of the solid December that he had with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. And he could translate that and start to build off of that momentum with Sam Darnold here in New York. Jamison Crowder continues to be solid. 
Lawrence Cager, who is someone that I have my eye on, can take a step up. You still have Vincent Smith, one of the fastest guys on the team. You still have Braxton Berrios. Not a lot of people are looking at him, but I still think that Berrios could be a, a dangerous receiver provided he's developed the right way. We got Heinz Ward working with these receivers. So again, my focus is on Adam Gase. Can you put the pieces of this offensive unit together to be competitive and to be better than they were last year? Because even if they're a little bit better than they were last year, this New York Jets team is going to make some noise in the AFC East. Now it's despite what Buffalo has done. It's despite what New England has done. And it's also despite what the Miami Dolphins have done. Because the Jets are still going to be looking up at two teams in this division. Buffalo and New England, unfortunately. The Miami Dolphins, I expect to take a step forward. But we don't know. Is two of the guy down there? We don't know. But if there was ever an opportunity for Adam Gase to save his job with a much tougher schedule, then this is it. This is the time that he needs to do it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the segment for In the Spotlight, and that is pretty much going to end it for tonight's episode the inaugural episode on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network here for Weapons Hot. I'd like to thank every single one of you who tuned in live, who are live streaming it right now. I'd like to thank Mr. Errol Marks and uh, Mr. Speedy PD over there for all of the technical support. Hopefully everything went off without a hitch. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime, Mr. Kevin Jackson, who unfortunately could not be with us this evening, at Spotty Blackman. Shoot the show an email, weaponshoppodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on soundcloud.com. You could also find us on spreaker.com forward slash sports war radio. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, my name is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off for this evening. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. Stay safe out there. We'll catch you guys next week. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network.